It's the Distracted Driving Podcast, throwing out the status quo. Well, okay, let's start. Um, this is Distracted Driving Podcast. Damn it. Dot com. <laughs> this is the Distracted Driving Podcast. Yes. I'm Sean Genovese. I'm Rex Williams. And today we have another guest. Brett Hofstadt, author of Goodnight Moonbase, amongst other things. Author and master of other things, like pianist. Are you still playing the piano? I am still doing that, yep. Yes. And well the rounded. guitar sometimes, too. Guitar, yes. Now, are you playing uh, professionally anywhere or just at home on holidays? Just at uh, home and uh, I still feel like if uh, if the right people heard my music, I have an original music album. Actually, yeah, yeah, that's this, right. The uh, the creation that really launched my bravery and courage to ship, as Seth Godin would say, was the original music album that I recorded and published myself back uh, when I turned forty years old. So, so just last year. <laughs> Somewhat. Yeah. <laughs> cool. I did not. Uh, I did not know that. Um, but yeah, self self publishing is definitely a way to uh, to ship. I mean, that's what I did with uh, the book that I wrote, which hopefully one day I can say is the first book that I wrote. Um, and I want to get to your book, but um, I also want to just catch myself up on what you're doing now because i was scrolling through your your linkedin oh we've lost rex uh -oh. hopefully we'll get him back here um yeah so you you and i and rex all worked at the boeing company together and then we've all gone different directions and uh you are here in california with me but in a different part of the state doing a, a different type of thing so maybe you could just briefly uh Tell us where where are you and and how'd you get there and then we'll segue. Yeah, it's been a journey. I feel like I've I've lived multiple lives and careers so far. So, but uh, let me. I do want to come back. I'll tell you most of my experience for those who don't know me, which is probably everyone else listening. Uh, most of my professional background was in the aerospace and aviation industries. I have a bachelor's and master's in aerospace engineering and uh, loved that and did that for many years and a lot of it was at Boeing where we all met together and uh, I was fortunate as I got started with innovation work that connected us to uh, have my own innovations inspired and so I, I was able to eventually get four patents from my work at Boeing yeah which was great. awesome and that was a lifelong goal to have a patent so um, but times four. I want to, I'll come to what I've been doing since then. But what I do want to emphasize is um, one person who really changed my life and changed Boeing indirectly was Seth Godin, who has written a lot yeah. of great books. And so he really inspired me to ship something and create something. And what I realized around the 2000, mid 2000, like five, six, eight, eight, yeah, frame, was that we lived in a world now where you do not need permission or authority to create something and to ship it. 
right? Yeah. And so that my life dream message, has been right? to uh, publish my own music that I composed myself because that was my one of my my biggest hobbies probably. Yeah. And so it took me, like most projects, twice as long, twice as much money as I thought, all that stuff, you know, learning. But uh, eventually I did publish my own album, release it of instrumental music. And so it, it wasn't a commercial success, but it was a huge psychological success. Right. right? And it uh, it was a scary thing to do because I'm releasing mm -hmm. You know, it's putting my, your baby my, out there, your art, my yeah. baby, my you know, emotional music that you know, you it's like uh, someone might know, not like it, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's like it's your artwork, right? It's yeah, your, your passion artwork. So, but um, after that happened, I basically two things happened one was I lost all fear of of creation and yeah. innovation and creativity, and which I credit Seth Godin with also because he makes the point saying, you know, what we're, we were bred or evolved to think that, that we have survival at stake if we do something risky or dangerous or out or, un, or uh, un, what's the word, unconventional. Yeah. Right? Uh -huh. But now we don't live in that world anymore. The worst that can happen is you get fired. But actually that, that is hard to do, right? <laughs> Yeah. Although we, we know well, it's uh, yeah, it's it's not as hard as you might think. Oh, <laughs> some of us may have experienced <laughs> I know. that process. Yeah, some of us have found uh, skills in that, I suppose. But, but um, but still, you know, it's probably been a, not a life or death situation, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, so, so that gave me a lot of courage, and also it made me decide well okay and so now i've done this with my hobby how can i turn this and, and channel this energy into my day job yeah and, and bring creativity into that and create something new and unique and so that you may not have known it but that was really my impetus to do innovation within boeing and change the company because i felt like i had this energy and ability now and i wanted to channel it somewhere productive so yeah i remember you're on fire. It was awesome. We had such great times just launching stuff, you know, yeah. um, the ship it, uh, group and whatnot. And it was a coalition of the shipping. Oh yeah. The coalition. Oh of the shipping. yes. That's what he called it. Yep. That's yeah. right. That was fun. The coalition of the shipping. And, and it was, uh, I think, didn't that come from Atlassian where they used to have FedEx days? Mm-hmm. And and they'd spend 24 hours just working on solving a problem, and then at the end of 24 hours, you had to ship it. That's yeah. the the name. Yep. And I can't remember where I got this um, this quote from. Um, one of the authors that I'm sure we collectively have followed, but but the idea that consumers are now producers, which is kind of what we're doing here, right? You. People aren't just, it used to be that you had a professional class and maybe it was Clay Shirky used to have a professional class and they would create the things and then you'd have the people that consume the things. But now the people that consume can produce and the people that produce, I mean, it's, it's all, you it's bi-directional content. Yep. It's mass. Uh, well, mass customization is one thing, but it's, it's mass production in a way, but exactly individualized production, right? So, yeah, democratization of production, maybe. There you go. Yep. 
All you need the internet and the computer, you know. So it really, yeah, I think one of my goals with um, with my books and efforts like Goodnight Moonbase, which we'll talk mm -hmm. about, is to really encourage the idea of that that we're living in an age of abundance. Yeah. And we, I think we need more people to have an abundance mentality, although we are also, I admit, you know, we're living in very tough, difficult times, and yep. a lot of people are struggling, uh, which is a fact. But uh, it's like uh, Charles Dickens taught us first, it can be the best of times and the worst of times at the same time, right? Yeah, there's a book on that too, Abundance uh, by... Well, well, there's a there's there's a book on the best of times and the worst of times as well. Yeah, <laughs> but Tales those aren't cities or, but, or another something else. No, no, that was yeah, no, that was the reference. I was really just making fun of Rex there. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's a book on that. Oh yeah, he quoted an author. No, but I, those I aren't the books I want to talk about. Yeah, yeah, we want to talk about Brett's books. So, <clears throat> do you want to go from? So you were thriving. You were making stuff happen inside Boeing, and we were doing all these cool projects and stuff. And then you said, <laughs> see you later. I did, yeah. And like uh, most of my life changes, maybe for other people, it uh, was because of a girl or my wife. So. <laughs> Girls have lots of influence, don't they? Yeah, that's yeah. funny. So uh, she had her career also that was going very well but then needed a, a change so yeah so we moved away from philadelphia where we were living uh, we moved to texas and she had a interesting and unique opportunity there and so i was i am proud of myself i did finagle a remote job at boeing with that move Oh yeah, before right. that was a thing to do, especially was, in corporate world. Right, right. I was gonna say that was that was before that was really uh, okay. Yeah, right. Yeah, remote work. So that yeah. and uh, lesson there for everyone is that most innovation, I believe, is not about the technology. It's about everything else. It's it's the the organization. It's the the management. It's the environment uh, processes or policies. It's a system. Yeah. You have to think I, about it all. I agree. And and the technology either enables or hinders the innovation, depending on who's using it and how. Right. Uh, but you also need the management support for innovation, right? So, and I, yeah, the, my big challenge was to find a manager who was willing to have me work for him remotely at the time. Uh -huh. So, and you did, but, you found one. I did. Uh, but then I got laid off remotely too so <laughs> it can, can it, uh, both ways <laughs> read it it happens to the best of us it wasn't a bulletproof plan but uh, but that's okay uh, you're in texas it's cheaper so there or what texas. i don't know it's hot <laughs> so i guess i could i'll try to walk you briefly through the journey but it uh um what happened i got laid off and then I thought, well, I have a decent severage package. Now's my chance to be entrepreneurial. Just yeah. do it full speed, full time ahead. And with my wife's tentative or support, you could say. <laughs> but uh, then my wife's position evaporated also. Oh, and her, no way. Her uh, place where she was working was just, we were talking about this before we went live, but 
what happened with Sean recently happened with her. She she was not given a uh, an honest picture of the situation and what would be happening there where she went to work. So that uh, basically we found both of ourselves high and dry there with our two kids in a new state for us. So we had to scramble. And how, how old were your kids at that time? They were, I want to say, let me see, like maybe two and four, something okay. like that. Pretty yeah, young, 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 yeah. young kids. So that's when I went into project management officially. I got my PMP certification. Oh, wow. Brought out of that. And uh, so that was a smart move. I got a yeah. job and then a technology company, an IT company doing that. Um, but we, but that we struggled honestly for a while to just settle in and both get stable. And so then my wife got another opportunity to move to California near the Sacramento area where that's where we are now. Oh. And so we moved up here in 2016, about six years ago. And yeah. it took us a while to get established here. Also, it's been a challenge. And uh, I've learned that what works for innovation in some companies does not work in other companies. You can't, you know, you, you can't use the same strategies everywhere. So yeah, that not, not, that. not one That's size fits all. <clears throat> yep. And uh, sometimes if you, if you try to in, you know, push innovation too hard, it can backfire on you. And yeah. so I experienced that firsthand a couple times actually, wow. or at least one time. Another time, another company was just flaky, I guess is the only word where um, I was, oh, another short story, I was called into a uh, meeting with HR uh, just to, well, the we had just finished a successful uh, test campaign that I was running uh -huh. and we, we accomplished a hundred percent of the company's test objectives in this test. It was nice, very innovative and groundbreaking for them. So I was called into HR and my manager was like a remote manager because he was at a different site. He, so he was on the phone and the HR woman said, well, I called this meeting to let you know this is your last day with the company. No way. It's like, what the hell? That was totally blindsided by me. Wow. And I couldn't understand it. I, looking back, crazy. I don't know. The only thing I could have done different, I think, well, there was... I mean, I could have built better relationships, I think, with management who were not in my official chain of command. But um, looking back, I guess the only thing I could have done maybe was make more of a, a scene, like like push it. Oh, uh, like, fight it. Like, like I could have walked down to the CEO's office, corner office in the building and you know, taken a stand or saying, what kind of show are you running here where... Yeah, this happens. Yeah, but but is that was that really going to have an impact uh, on anything other than making you feel better? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, probably not. And then it turns out the it was the VP of engineering that made the decision to let me go. Uh, he wasn't in the room, which was huh. convenient. But he he they let him go three months after me. So no way. Yeah. But, <laughs> It was a company that uh, had a lot of turnover issues, I think. So, apparently, anyway. Um, but somewhere in there, I, you had gotten into uh, 
drones and stuff, right? But in Texas. Yep. I was I worked hard to work with drones here and that was uh I can tell you a bit about that, I guess. One so one of my strategies <clears throat> after when I was when I left Boeing there and got laid off, I realized I did an assessment to say what are my skills, what are my passions, how can I uh -huh make a Venn diagram of these and pursue things that would not happen if it weren't for me, right? That yeah. would make a difference. So that's when I got into book publishing and uh -huh. um, I see we're almost maybe at the halfway point here for our conversation. So, well, yeah, I think that's a, that's a great segue because um, not just book publishing, um, but as you put on your LinkedIn STEM friendly, nonfiction books, which I actually didn't realize until um, until today that you had so many STEM friendly books. The one that caught my attention is the the most recent one that you've been doing a lot of promotion for uh, Goodnight Moonbase. Um, but actually, yeah, you've been doing that for a, a number of years. So why did you start First of all, what do you mean by STEM-friendly nonfiction books, and, and why did you uh, pivot to that, even if just a, a side hustle? Well, so I wanted to really find this uh, very challenging and demanding Venn diagram overlap, thinking like a systems engineer. Yeah, and you're an have... engineer at heart, right? I mean... yeah. I want to, I'm trying, I feel like you know, I've always been on a search to find my niche as a person that uh -huh. makes me very happy and successful. So one thing I'll tell you this, I've always, I've always had an entrepreneurial creative streak through my life. Right. And uh, so I've always been looking for a way to become financially independent, also you know, creative. Yeah. And so, and you guys probably know there's always people out there with plans and courses and tribes that they, you know, say subscribe to me, we'll do this together, yeah. you know, achieve oh, yeah. your dreams, whatever. And uh, so one guy, one of these know. years, somebody created a program and it was called Paid to Exist. Oh yeah, know that guy. Done Did you, it. you know him? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Of course, Rex knows about it. Tell me in the same circles. Uh, what's his name? I it forget a, his name. It was a while ago. Yeah. Paid to exist. Yeah. To no, exist. I would sign up for all this stuff, get all the free stuff. Don't ever buy the stuff, right. <laughs> the actual yeah. stuff. But you learn a lot. Yeah. But I thought just, that guy really nailed it with the objective. Just yeah. find something that you love that comes easy to you and fun to you that it's, it's not considered work, but you get paid for it. Right. Yeah. So genius. So, and it's different for every person. I think people have to appreciate right. that, that you can't, you know, what works for someone else may not work for you. So, but for me through the years, what I've found that works best for me is writing and publishing books. So nice. I figured out if I can do that, you know, how no. can I do that? And what I, so the STEM topics, science, technology, engineering, and math, those I care about a lot. I'm passionate about those. And I think we need more of those and more people to, to excel in those topics for our world, because I do, I am biased, but I do believe if we had more engineers running the show and in charge of things, we'd all be much better off. So, yeah, viva la engineers. Yeah. Because what do engineers do? They solve problems. Exactly. <laughs> That's and right. we 
we care about practical, effective solutions. solutions right? Yeah. That, that, that actually right. works, that aren't just <laughs> yeah. theory, right? So, so I've, I've found uh, a, a similar thing is, is true for me. I, I've, I've not heard of the paid to exist. I'm looking at the site now. I'll have to take a look at that. But for, for me, um, I, I haven't shifted really to the idea of paid to exist. But what I, what I have realized is I need to have, I, I'm a creator. I like to yeah. create. Yeah. And and I can't always do that. Some, sometimes it becomes a part of my job and, and I can do it there. Um, but I mean, the shows that Rex and I have done, um, the, the Movement Maker show at Boeing and now this this show, uh, a big part of that is because I, I have to create. I have to have something where I can I can just have that outlet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. Sometimes I get the urge to just be on camera. I got to like shoot a video. <laughs> well, it helps if you enjoy the sound of your own voice. Um, but in, in writing, I do the writing too. So for you, Brett, I guess uh, that outlet and, and that, that paid to exist niche then is writing, but also you're combining your, your passion and drive for STEM education. Yeah, technology. What was – go ahead, Rex. I, well, I had a question – because I, I remember you getting into it, and I don't remember if it was the first one, but I know one of your books was like ghost written. Didn't you? Was it your first one where you like ghost wrote it under like a different name, except because it was really controversial or something? I, I have done that. That wasn't my first book. Oh, no. okay, okay. But oh, I guess I don't have. It was like uh, it was environment stuff. It was. Uh, what right. was the first book though? I want to know what the first book was. The first book. Let me grab it. It's it was how to be a rocket scientist. I'll get oh, it. Oh, okay. that was the first one, of course. I got that one. How to be a rocket scientist? Genius. Yeah. It, did you figure it out? Did you follow all the steps? Um, no, because I already was one. Nah, <laughs> not exactly. Were you though? Were you? That's his Here we point. Go. Okay. Here it is for people on YouTube. Yes. Uh huh. I'm a rocket scientist. I remember. So that was a great, uh, great experience. So that was that. So who obviously, uh, you know, the title, how to be a rocket scientist. I, I don't want to ask the silly, obvious question, but <laughs> the real question, who is that book uh, targeted for? It's targeted for older students and young adults who, who, want to enter the aerospace or aviation fields, but don't know how or don't think they're capable or don't see how they can go through the standard standard, uh, so-called predictable path of you know, getting a college degree, engineering degree, getting a gotcha. job with a big aerospace company. So the message of the book really is that, again, we live in, a, live in an age of abundance when there's many things you can learn and do now that don't need other people's permission or authority. You can chart your own path, you know, make your own course and yeah. you can become a creator. You know, if you want to design computer programs, you can learn your own coding now and create programs and collaborate with people from around the world. Right. And produce yeah. something you can, you can be a creator and create you your, start own your own. You, you can start your own podcast. Yeah. Well, podcast. and that book was written a, a while ago too. Like, what year was that one written? Twenty fourteen. Twenty fourteen. Yeah. 
And in fact, actually, I'll tell you this uh, little plug. Next month, I'm going to be a guest with Moon Village Association, yeah. which is a global organization to encourage settlement of a moon village. And I'm going to talk to them about how we live in a great time today for people to use the fact that we have moon exploration missions happening now. Like the NASA Artemis mission is going to launch at the end of this month or early September for the first yeah. NASA mission to go back to the moon in 60 years. Wow. And if you are a good writer, specifically, you could be writing about these things and that could be your niche as a creator. And you could, that could be a career pathway for somebody. If you're, if you want to be a writer about these you know, like, space moon exploration efforts, like, like the nonfiction version of Isaac Asimov. You could do that. You could be, you could be a, you know, a citizen journalist or commentator of some kind. There's, so here's a quick story that happened. So moon village association happens to be one of the beneficiaries of book goodnight moon base oh, here it is when you buy yeah, this book goodnight moon base in the back there's a special page i'll show you here you can make your moon base contribution and there's instructions here where you can go to my website and then pick an organization that is actually helping humanity go back to the moon i'll make a donation to that organization with the using proceeds from the book from your purchase uh, to, so it actually the book is meant to be a boost to our efforts to go back to the moon nice. in more ways than one awesome. but one of those organizations is moon village association another organization is teachers in space oh, and really? so that's teachers that have in come together to form their own group and they're helping teachers build cubesats with their students would you say rex well, it just teachers in space kind of reminded me of, of the Muppet else. Show. Yeah, pigs in yeah. space. I know. I know. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so we've covered Isaac Asimov, the Muppet Show. People are going to yeah. be like, "How old are these guys?" Yeah. <laughs> but here, so here's here's the thing, though. This is a great innovation story as well. So, teachers in space had a CubeSat payload on the very first rocket of Firefly Aerospace and their alpha yeah. rocket which launched last year and it didn't quite get to orbit unfortunately one of the engines had a problem uh, oh. and it launched from vandenberg mm. space force base which i was fortunate to be there for uh-huh but um, and the check engine light came on and they had to return <laughs> had, to, had to call triple a get it checked out in a way i wish it, that would have been less i'm, I'm guessing it was catastrophic yeah, they had, well, they had to initiate self-destruct to prevent it from gotcha. doing something. Yeah. But it was still, for the very first launch of their company, their very first rocket, it cleared the pad. It got up supersonic. It was really tremendous. Nobody, there's never been a company to launch their very first rocket on their very first attempt to orbit. Oh. Think okay. about how difficult that would be. It's it's never happened yet, so... Yeah, it's a very small they company. Like they just started. It's a, a startup, one of the, another like private space company. But anyway, here's here's the point about creators today. Firefly Aerospace, for their live streaming coverage and launch coverage, they hired a YouTuber, Everyday Astronaut, who maybe you guys have seen. 
everyday astronaut. Because the everyday astronaut is this guy who lives in, I forget, he lives in Iowa or somewhere. I don't know. Yeah. Like literally around the cornfields. Uh-huh. <laughs> he's become this major YouTuber for space launch news. And he's even snagged one-on-one -on -one tours with Elon Musk at no SpaceX way. facilities. Where Elon <laughs> Musk is saying, here's what we're doing here. Here's the rocket engine. And this guy, everyday astronaut, his name's Tim, I believe. He, He's the the host of the interviewer with Elon Musk. And he was, so he was the official wow. launch commentator and live streamer for, for this Firefly Aerospace Company. Okay. So the point is, you, you know, you don't have to be a corporate uh, organization anymore to make a big impact and to find a niche in, in whatever you want to do. It's not, it doesn't yeah. just have to be aerospace, but it applies to all the STEM fields, really. Well, that was fun. That was fun. It was great to see, uh, great to see Brett and talk to him. Yeah, it's great to stay connected. You know, it was a long time ago when we when we worked together, and you know, went different ways. But he's done a lot of cool stuff. Totally entrepreneurial, and uh, really admire him for that. And it's, it's just fun to see what he's doing. You know, through LinkedIn and and his other. Avenues. Yeah, well, and and as long as as uh, as long as I've known him, uh, which was mostly online at uh, at work. Yeah, um, I learned a lot. I learned a lot about him today, and uh, we've got a lot in common. So I'm I'm glad we had him on the show. And there's more. He's going to be back more. to uh, to finish the conversation. Um, and in fact, our next episode, we're going to have a special pre guest guest to uh, maybe talk a little bit about Goodnight Moonbase and introduce the second part. Okay. Yeah. Okay. One of his customers. Okay. All right. We'll, uh, we'll see you on the next episode. All right. Don't get distracted. <laughs> <laughs>